Many Mizzou fans didn't love Dennis Gates' lineup usage on Saturday in Starkville. Well, count me among those people. Well, Dennis Gates defended himself. So let's continue this one-sided argument coming up right now on Locked on Mizzou. You are Locked on Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hail you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and the central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. And this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more by visiting fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. And again, I want to get started by talking about, well, I guess you could call it a unique, unusual bit of substitutions, lineups, whatever you want to call it on Saturday down in Starkville. Missouri lost to Mississippi State and had, well, their worst offensive output of the entire season, just 52 points on the road for the Tigers. Really unusual there. Obviously, another bad shooting day from the three-point line on the road for Missouri. That's become kind of a pattern in the last month or so that's a bit troubling. But you know what? Dennis Gates actually disagreed with people like me who felt like, hey, what are we doing at this point? Why are we experimenting with new lineups? Basically, my whole thing was Missouri was rolling offensively. Why change now? Simply put, the old cliche, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, that was my logic. Well, Dennis Gates pushed back against this notion. He disagreed with the idea that these changes were experimental. He said, quote, we're past the learning stage. We know exactly who we are and what we do. I think from top to bottom, we've seen everyone has played a significant role throughout the year. It was just a matter of putting it all on that blank campus. Each opponent, each opportunity, each day, each week presents challenges. And those challenges, whether it's knickknack injuries or whatnot, that leads to another rotation or another philosophy on what unit is best out there. That's what we always have to navigate as coaches. That's ultimately what takes place during this month of February, but also leading into March. And continuing with this idea that, well, this was a unique opponent in Mississippi State. Certainly Tolu Smith, who dominated the game for the Bulldogs, is one of the absolute best post players, interior presences in the entire country, much less the SEC. And to me, one of the more surprising things, and I think to all of us in this audience, I would imagine, is seeing Maybor Majak, who has barely played in SEC play, well, he got a few minutes in that ball game, and to that point, Gates said Mayborg gave us size. He gave us someone that absorbed some fouls away from Kobe Brown. And, of course, he calls Smith, gives him his props as one of the top post players in the, in the country and the, in the conference as well. But he says that once I saw Mayborg be able to hold seals, wedge, and be physical, but also absorb fouls, it took that pressure away from Mo being Mohamed Diara, of course, and took the pressure away from Kobe Brown as well. And you know what? I don't mind that logic. I really don't. That makes some sense to me. 
And just playing Majak a few minutes there, really it was Diara who who played a big chunk of the minutes there and took some of the pressure off of Kobe Brown defensively, playing 23 minutes, Diara did in this basketball game, and a fairly effective 23 minutes at that for the most part. Some good rebounding from Diara in that ball game for sure. But at the same time, you can't help but notice that, again, this was the worst offensive output that Missouri has had this season. And I don't think it's a huge coincidence that Missouri had been absolutely on point offensively. And then all of a sudden, oh, well, let's take Isaiah Mosley out of the starting lineup once again. That one didn't quite make a lot of sense to me because it seemed like, well, Missouri put, once they put Mosley in the starting lineup against Alabama, things started turning around a little bit. And Missouri started playing some really, really excellent offensive basketball. And to Dennis Gates' point, yeah, it's February. This is no longer November and December basketball. This is no longer really a time for experimentation. And yet, I felt like Missouri had really found something there offensively and to me just unnecessarily took Mosley out of the starting lineup and by the way only played him a relatively paltry amount of minutes just 16 minutes in the basketball game. Now don't get me wrong maybe there's a good reason for that. Mosley didn't play well in that basketball game so it's less about the minutes that he got but again why are we making him guess if he's going to start at this point in the season? Let's just make him comfortable. To me, a guy who obviously is an important piece for Missouri, just let him be comfortable at this point. Whatever marginal benefit you think that there is on on, on, the, on some spreadsheet, whatever, whatever information you have, maybe it's just pure old school eye test scouting. Whatever it is that you thought, oh, inserting Sean East into the starting lineup here for Mosley, to me, the risk is not re- worth the reward. The risk is, once again, you've maybe taken Mosley a little bit out of rhythm, taken him a little bit out of his confidence, which was, to me, was really starting to grow the last few games. And, and, and to what end? To give Caleb Brown, for instance, a guy who also has been a very, very infrequently used player, we give him nine minutes in the basketball game. He takes one shot doesn't make it, has a couple turnovers, and otherwise is just kind of out there getting in cardio, to be honest. I mean, Caleb Brown at this point is just kind of an invisible player. And speaking of, hey, we're past the learning stage, we're past the experimental stage, I think we should be beyond the point where, frankly, we're playing Caleb Brown any minutes in a basketball game. I don't want to be harsh. I really don't. Because there are other players that I could say that about as well. Again, we've gotten to February. It's time to stop to stop experimenting, to, to use an, an overused word in this first segment of the podcast. But having said all that, I do think I know exactly what Missouri's strength and weaknesses are. And going forward, I have 10 guys that I think should play. And really, unless there's some completely different circumstances, again, injuries, off-the-court stuff that I'm not privy to, I would really stick to this 10-man rotation moving forward if I were Dennis Gates. But first, I want to tell you that if you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all of the sugar and calories and most of your 
gas station candy bars. Well, guess what? Then you got to try Built Bar, one of our finest and longest sponsors. Hey, we all made it through the holidays. Of course, Valentine's Day is right around the corner. But you know what's really important? Pool season, folks. Let's look good in our bathing suits this year. Yeah, that's right. I am an incredibly vain human being. What can I do? But you know what? I bet you've got a little vanity in you, too. So here's what we're going to do. We're not just going to starve ourselves to death, not have any kind of chocolatey goodness or anything until pool season. Nope. Built Bar is going to be the kind of treat that you're going to feel good about because it's not only covered in 100% real chocolate. They're only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein packed into each and every bar. So you know what? Not only can you find Built Bar at Built.com, you can head to your nearest local Walmart, Sam's Club, and in fact, at Sam's Club, go find that 13-bar box with our hit flavors, and you know what? You can thank me later. Thanks for making Locked on Mizzou your first listen every day. Now, how about this for a suggestion? For your second listen, check out Locked On College Basketball, Locked On's brand new College Hoops podcast. Everything you want to know about the sport in one place. Hear from big-time experts, insiders, and even coaches and players as well. That's Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get, of course, finer audio podcasts like this one, like Locked On Mizzou. And thanks once again for listening. And I tell you, thanks again to Dennis Gates for being our coach because I don't want anybody to misunderstand the tone of this particular podcast. I am absolutely loving Missouri basketball right now. But as Larry David likes to famously say, having said that, I got a nitpick. That's what I like to do on this podcast. So to me, I think there should be 10 guys for Missouri going forward for the most part who are your core 10 players that should play from here on out. Basically, you got a couple of lead ball handlers, right? You got Nick Honor and you've got Sean East. Obviously, those guys need to be playing. You need as much ball handling as you can get in this sport, especially the way Missouri has been playing this season. And the interesting thing about Honor and East, to me, they kind of complement each other well. Honor's much more of a, well, not only is he a traditional point guard, but he's much more of a long-distance three-point shooter than East, who, while not a great three-point shooter at all so far this season, has been really good in the paint, in that mid-range game, sort of an in-between kind of game when he takes guys off of the dribble, and he gets to the rim all the way on occasion as well. No doubt about that. So we're in good hands there with lead ball handlers. Plus, to me, you've got a combo-type player who you can be who can be a wing, one of your lead scorers, or a lead ball handler at times in Isaiah Mosley. Now, back in the day, sort of being a combo guard was a bit of a, well, you're, you're considered a tweener. That's not a good thing, right? Well, these days, to me, it is a good thing to be able to do it all, right? You need to be able, you need some guys who can maybe not be the point guard, but at least be able to initiate offense. And certainly Mosley can do that. And he's not a guy who's going to bog your offense down with bad ball handling or the lack of ability to make plays. No question about that. Then on the wings, 
Obviously, Demoy Hodge has been really good for Missouri. I think DeAndre Golston has been a bit underappreciated at times. And and speaking of underappreciated, I really think that Trey Gomillion has become underappreciated the last few weeks because he's missed some time and Missouri's had some good moments. During his absence, it feels like a portion of the fan base has soured on Trey a little bit. And you know what? I'm not one of them. I think we miss his presence defensively. I think he's a good team guy, and and you need glue guys like that, quite honestly. You need guys who are willing to just move the ball and do the dirty work, dive on the floor, guard the other guy's best player defensively. And he can handle and pass the ball a little bit, too. He's not just like some complete goon out there offensively either. And he can even knock down a shot on occasion, even though he doesn't look for his shot very much. Again, when you've got a guy like Demoy Hodge who likes to get some shots up, guys like Isaiah Mosley who like to get some shots up, well, again, you need guys who are willing to do the other things. And I think Go Million is definitely that guy. And to me, he has an obvious place in the 10-man rotation for the rest of the season. Now, one thing I love having on a basketball team is versatile forwards. Guys who can rebound the ball, get in the paint, score around the basket, but also get out on the perimeter, put the ball on the ground a little bit, make a play, and of course knock down a three-pointer as well. Well, that certainly describes Kobe Brown this season. He might be the SEC Player of the Year so far. That's how good he's been. Certainly, he's first team all SEC at this point. There's absolutely no question about that whatsoever. And Noah Carter's been pretty darn good, too. You could say maybe he's a poor man's version of Kobe Brown so far because he's been a really nice, versatile piece as well. A bit more streaky in terms of three-point shooting and maybe offense in general than Kobe's been so far this season. But still, I think those two guys provide a really good combo, sort of at that, I guess you could say, a combo forward, you know, occasionally small ball center type spot. I just think the versatility there is really important and critical for this entire team, to say the least. And, well, in what I'll call center, the men in the middle, if you will, Mo Diara and Aiden Shaw, to me, both guys who have shown versatility. I think Mo at this point, has earned more minutes. Certainly, Dennis Gates has given him a lot more minutes than Aiden Shaw at this point. In fact, safe to say Mo has passed Aiden Shaw up on the depth chart. But at the same time, I don't want this to be a thing where suddenly Aiden Shaw is an afterthought. And while I don't think he certainly is not an afterthought in this program, Dennis Gates said that he's going to be a great basketball player, but he's just he simply is good right now. Gates says, quote, he has to be on the path of development, and on that path of development, understand certain things like being on the right spot. That's the biggest challenge. And he adds that he has to add strength, be better in terms of rebounding and all that. And you know what? I got to be honest, some of that seemed like a bit of coach speak. I think considering actually his relative lack of of girth, strength, whatever weight, whatever mass, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, that Aiden Shaw clearly has, well, to me, the guy has played really, really hard. That's one thing I've seen. And the fact that Gates is challenging him a little bit in terms of rebounding, I think his rebounding's been okay when you consider everything. Considering his true freshman status, I think it's been okay. But you know what? From the coach's perspective, 
always challenging a young man who does seem to be have a real competitive streak in him while being a, a nice young man as well. I like that. I, I think he probably knows the buttons to press there. So, you know, the, the biggest motivator certainly is the minutes. Coaches know that. So at the same time, though, I, I just want everybody to know that I personally still am a huge believer in Aiden Shaw for the long term, and I, I get the impression that Gates is as well. But at the same time, I, I think he should still be a guy who is a part of this 10-man rotation that I've talked about for the rest of the year. Not only because, well, not only would I like to see Aiden develop, obviously, but we're talking about this season. Missouri wants to obviously make the NCAA tournament go as far as it can. Well, I also think Aiden for this season adds an element to this basketball team that nobody else really does. He truly plays above the rim. And for a guy who can set middle ball screens, dive down the middle of the paint, well, he suddenly... We talk a lot about how Missouri spaces the floor with five out, right? Well, that's sort of, you know, on the floor spacing. Well, there's also space above the rim if you want to take it, too. There are very few among us who can get above the rim and play up there. Certainly nobody else on the Missouri roster really does. So there is something to the fact that, oh, we can now throw a pass over the defense to Aiden Shaw. That does give you another element that is going to be helpful at times. So again, Shaw, a guy I really like for the future. Let's not forget about him this year, though, either. And coming up, I do want to talk a little bit more about a couple guys I didn't include in that 10-man rotation that I'd like to see moving forward this year. But first, of course, this year, you know the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Really excited to have FanDuel on board because they're the number one sports book in America. Of course, that's FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, well, download FanDuel right now and you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat First bet, you'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, FanDuel lets you bet on everything, by the way, including not only the Super Bowl, but of course college basketball as well. And you know what? Tonight, Missouri-South Carolina, 146 and a half total. Just like Missouri's previous home game strikes me as a little bit low. I'm going to go over tonight. Let's take the over 146 and a half. But you know what? No matter what you're into, just know that Fan, FanDuel's Sportsbook app is safe, secure, easy to use, and best of all, you get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel for free at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. So just a little bit more on, on Caleb Brown. First of all, again, offensively, it's the same problem as last year. He's got a decent handle, but with that wide body, of course, that keeps defenders off of him, but once he gets past his man... There's just nothing there offensively. He doesn't really show any ability or even desire to shoot the ball from the paint, from the mid-range, sort of that area where Sean East has really learned to cook at this level. 
And it, again, it's not even about three-pointers for Caleb, which are obviously a problem too. And I've heard lots of people sort of you know, say, well, well, obviously with those thighs, he should be playing on the football team. He should be a linebacker. He should be a tight end, whatever it might be. Well, frankly, if he's miscast in the wrong sport, I don't know about that, but I do think maybe he's miscast as a lead ball handler. Maybe play him as a screener more than somebody who actually has the ball in his hands. But you know what? The problem is, even though he could be a good a good sort of Draymond Green-style role man at the mid-range, you still run into the same problem, the lack of scoring. So until he fixes that problem, to me, he just can't really get out there. Because, again, well, not again, but on top of that, there's just as big of a problem on the other end of the court. Who does Caleb Brown guard? Because I don't think he's fleet of foot enough to stay in front of guards at the SEC level, and yet... He doesn't seem like he's tall enough or explosive enough athletically to be able to hang in the post either. So what's left? That's that's my point. And with Ronnie DeGray, offensively with, you know, kind of the same deal. And it really hurts me a little bit to say that because I like Ronnie DeGray a lot. I I appreciate his ability to score around the basket basket craftily despite being listed at just six foot six. But again, the lack of offense is just a killer in today's game. Teams these days are too smart and they're too athletic defensively to put a non-scorer on the court most of the time. You saw against Arkansas, Eric Musselman just decided, uh, we're not even going to guard Ronnie DeGray or, or Caleb Brown from the perimeter. And, you know, the thing is with DeGray, if you could play him as a small ball center, maybe, well, maybe that could work. But unfortunately, I think defensively, he's just a little bit too small there as well. So I was talking about how guards used to be considered tweeners if they weren't really a point guard and weren't really tall enough to be a shooting guard back in the sort of 90s style of basketball, well, I think DeGray really is kind of a tweener at this level in terms of not really offering enough in terms of size and rim protection to be a big asset defensively at the center position. But offensively, I think that would actually fit his game the best. The problem is defensively, he needs to be more of a four But then if he's a forward and he has to play along a center, well, now all of a sudden, again, you run into the offensive problems of they're just not even going to guard him. And he completely clogs up your offense and suddenly takes you from a five-out situation to where the defense is like, okay, fine. You guys can play five-out offensively, but that doesn't mean we have to play five-out defensively. In fact, we're going to hang one of our defenders in the paint. All right, well, thanks for sticking with me on this basketball-only edition of Locked on Mizzou. Obviously, didn't talk much about South Carolina tonight, and, well, there's a good reason for that. Tigers favored by 15-and-a-half over at FanDuel. A big-time blowout hopefully coming for you tonight. We'll have it all for you right here on Locked on Mizzou. And, of course, well... You wouldn't be it wouldn't be locked on without locked on college basketball. For your second listen, check out the brand new locked on college basketball with Isaac Shade, Andy Patton, big time experts, coaches, and players throughout the Coops landscape. That's locked on college basketball. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. So 
Until next time, I'm John Miller, and thanks for listening to Locked on Mizzou.